Today's podcast is sponsored by Fire Facilities Incorporated, expert engineers, designers, and manufacturers of steel training towers, burn rooms, and mobile units that are all made in the USA. Welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Today, my guest is Ryan Rodriguez. Ryan, welcome back. Welcome to Ryan's. Ryan, hi, Ryan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Today, my guest is Ryan Rodriguez. Now, oh, god damn it. Sorry. Welcome Sorry. back to Three Point Firefighter. Okay, for those listening, I'm going to do the third, fourth, or maybe fifth take at the beginning. I'm keeping this in so you know I'm an idiot. Welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Today, my guest is Ryan Rodriguez. <laughs> okay, here's how we're going to do it. Please introduce yourself. <laughs> I can't say your hey name. Guys. It can't be done. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so your name is? Ryan Rodriguez. That's what I said. Now, yeah, totally. Ryan is a firefighter, paramedic, husband, and a father. He is an Arizona native. Uh, Arizona native and a graduate from Arizona State University with a bachelor's degree in fire service administration. Got the same degree, different school. Nice. Uh, he is the writer, producer, and host of Ignited Firefighter Podcast and offers online courses geared towards helping people get hired in the fire department, as well as helping with fire service organizations build trust and integrity through accountability. Ryan, thanks for being on. Sorry you had to suffer through that. I wish I had right, a good, you know, reason like, hey, I'm drunk. But that's yeah. it. <laughs> just easing the tension, baby. Easing the tension. That's what it is. That's all it is. So um, <laughs> let's start. I like to start off with hearing how you got in the fire service and where it led you to where you're at today. Okay. Well, um, I was uh, a senior in high school and my educational path offered me the opportunity to either graduate early, like a semester early, or I could go both semesters and just take like a half day. And so that's what I chose so I could, you know, graduate on time, walk with everybody else and kind of do the whole shebang. Uh, and so that left me with like my afternoon wide open. And at the time I had a part-time job. So I was really trying to hustle in every which way I could because uh, come 18, I wanted out, right? I wanted out of my house. I wanted out. <laughs> and so that's what I was trying to do. So I figured, well, I really don't have anything scheduled between this like three, four hour block let's put that time to use. And so what I did was I looked at the local technical college here. It's the East Valley Institute of technology, and they offered all kinds of technical programs. And one that stood out to me was their firefighting program. And I was like, man, that sounds, that sounds like it could be pretty fun. And, uh, you know, like study, learn about different things and then, uh, go put on fire gear and pretend to be a fireman. That, that sounds really fun, really cool. And so, I was Pick able to do chicks. that pro right. Yeah. Right. Get, get the cute suit and all that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, I, I went to the program and, uh, I don't think I was even like two weeks in and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the thing that I will do. And, uh, I just became really immersed in it and I really embraced it. Um, early on, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I'm an avid reader. I love reading books. I love reading history books, all kinds of books. And, uh, one of the early on, like the quotes that really stuck with me and has really driven my life, uh, up until now is, uh, civilize the mind, but make savage the body. 
And it's something that has really helped guide me in my career, in my side business, in my endeavors that I want to do. Like it just really spoke to me. And so I was able to complete that program successfully. After I graduated high school, I went to the two-year local community college, got a fire science degree and uh, associate's degree, and then uh, transferred over to ASU, finished out my fire service administration. And uh, and then a year, I graduated in 04, and about a year after that, I got picked up full-time. So I've been uh, doing that ever since and loving it. So Now, what part of Arizona are you in? So I'm just outside of Phoenix. Uh, I, I live in Gilbert and I work in like the Apache Junction Gold Canyon area. So like the far East Valley. Cool. Um, I've got to teach out there a couple of times. I absolutely fell in love with Arizona. Uh, anytime a bid comes in for Arizona, I'm crossing my fingers. I love that place. Uh, we, last time I was there was uh, Sierra Vista. So we oh, okay. yeah. uh, flew into Tucson, I believe. And then we I've been up in Prescott Valley teaching. Awesome. So, That's a beautiful that place. Area. It's awesome. Yeah. Their facility up yeah. there and is now, beautiful In Arizona, too. it's, it's always cold, right? Oh, Being totally. Arizona Every day. day. Is that, is that <laughs> okay. So you got to wear yeah. a lot of sweaters and hoodies and shit. All the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. It's crazy today. I All think right, it's like so, 115, um, but, uh, you know, we can drive two hours and it'll be like 80. So that's the nice thing about Arizona. 115. Yeah. Man, ugh, I don't, that's that might be, but it's a dry heat, right? It's a dry. Yeah, heat. yeah, yeah. It's not humid. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast, uh, the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. Right off the bat, I want to know: Does can your podcast beat up my podcast? Oh man, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. We uh, we talk a lot about similar things. I know you have a lot of guests on. Um, I have some guests on. I don't really have a whole lot of guests, but uh, I've kind of amped that up lately. Um, mainly for selfish reasons, to be honest with you, like <laughs> there are a lot of professionals out there, you know, assisting and working with fire service professionals. And I love having the opportunity to uh, pick their brain like one-on-one -on -one and kind of ask them the questions that I specifically want to ask them. And so, like I said, it's kind of for selfish reasons, but at the same time, you know, I know it's going to serve the, the community. I know it's going to serve the audience that I'm trying to support. So now, how long have you been doing the podcast? Well, uh, back in 2017 is when I, it really kind of, you know, so to speak, lit the fire under me in regards to like doing something like this, because that's when I learned the statistic that firefighter suicides were surpassing line of duty deaths. And that really shook me. And I, I had no idea about that. And so I really wanted to dive into that and kind of understand why that was happening. And then learn all I could about it, um, and then try to figure out a way to help the people I serve with not get to that point. And really after, you know, all my homework and my research and everything I studied and learned, and, you know, I became a, a peer, uh, support team member. I learned a lot about resiliency. I was trained in a bunch of different tactics in that, but I needed a way to share this stuff, share this information with the people that I was trying to help. And so I figured, you know, I, I got a couple of buddies who do podcasts and I listen to a lot of them. I listen to a ton of podcasts. And so I get a lot of value out of it. And I thought, well, why don't I just do that? Like these guys are doing that thing. Why don't I just do that? I'll just I'll buy a mic, figure it out. And here we are. 
So it's been uh, it's been going strong, going steady since uh, 2017, 2018. I, uh, I used to do weekly episodes, but now I'm doing like a biweekly thing um, temporarily while I work on some other stuff. But yeah, I love it. It's been a blast. It is a lot of fun, and it? it's it's fun to be part of the national conversation. Um, I'm kind of doing. I'm right. I'm very much in a transition period right now, where I'm trying to make smaller chunk videos, and then I'm doing more solo stuff, starting more solo stuff as opposed to interviews. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm kind of all over the place with with my topics. Um, but you say you're pretty much now. Are you all over the place now with your topics, or are you still just sticking with some of the the firefighter stuff, the firefighter like safety and suicide stuff? Um, you know, there was a, that's really what inspired it. Um, and I do touch on that, but really it comes down to anything and everything that's going to help support us become better. You know, it's all about that self-improvement. And so, uh, my, Mm -hmm. my question that I always ask myself going on duty is, uh, am I the firefighter I would want on my crew? Am I being the guy? Am I the one who's conscientious about my crew? Am I the one who's physically fit to perform the job? Am I the one who's doing due diligence to, you know, check off the truck and check off the drugs and do all of that stuff. And so everything that kind of supports that modality, I, I touch on, you know, and it could be from health and wellness to tactics, to leadership, to teamwork, to communication, basically anything that is affecting us and could help us kind of climb out of any dark place we might be in is something that I, that I talk about. So with that being your, your driving force, is there like, do you have like really a lot of downtimes? And the reason I bring it up is because I went through like a year or so really down on the job, down on myself. I wasn't that person when I was going to work. I wasn't that person. I wasn't bringing the best firefighter I could be. Um, and I was there for a while. Do you find yourself in that position very often or because of the podcast, you probably don't go there that, that often. You know, it kind of ebbs and flows. Um, early on in my career, I was working on a, I worked for a small organization and I was on ambulance a lot. And so like my physical fitness really took a back seat and, um, I really got woken up to it when I saw a picture of myself playing with my daughter at the lake and it, it kind of shook me out of that apathy and it really woke me up and, and was like, got me to thinking, you know, man, that's really not what a firefighter should be looking like. Like he, the firefighter, I'm not being the firefighter I would want on my crew. Like, I don't know. I was looking at the photo and I'm like, I don't really recognize that guy. And so it's time to do something, you know, it's time to make a change. It's time to step towards, step towards being that person. And, and, uh, you know, I can say that like with confidence that, yeah, I'm the firefighter that I would want on my crew, but not because I think I'm so great. It's because I, I remain humble in the idea that there's always something I can improve on. You know, every shift, there's something that's either new to me and I'm 17 years deep, you know? And so a lot of people kind of sit in the recliners and just kind of check out. But personally, I'm like, there's something new I could learn every shift. And, and we even have a probie on our crew right now. And, and he just came out of the academy. And I find asking my probationary people questions like, what are some new things you learned in the Academy really give me insight because, you know, things change in our 20 year career. And so to think that our new people, our probies, you know, don't know anything and we know more is pretty arrogant and, you know, ego driven. And just like Alan Brunacini said, you know, ego eats brains. So 
Why not remain <laughs> humble? Why not understand that there's always something to be learned and then take that positive action towards working towards that person you would, you would want to have on your crew. And that's fantastic. Um, I have found most of the problems I've ever had uh, in the fire service were usually self-inflicted and ego driven. Um, yeah. Agreed. There was even a time where I wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even consider anybody with less time than me, give me help. Now, how stupid is that? Um, right, yeah. And once I woke out of that, that, that fugue state, basically, uh, I, to your, like to your point, you know, n- new people coming out of the academy, man, that, all that stuff is still fresh in there. It's still wired in there and it's not tainted with the culture of your department at the time. Cause I know sometimes departments have bad culture. Uh, right. It's true. I wouldn't know anything about that. Just <laughs> kidding. Um, but yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, so who are some of the people you've had on your podcast? Um, well, I've had, uh, I've had some people who are just trying to start, uh, things in their own organizations. And, and I really like getting in on that grassroots level. Um, I talked mm-hmm. to Bill Dungy and he, he runs the Foxtrot six Foxtrot on Instagram and, and he's a newer firefighter, but he is fired up. And I really was interested and, and honored to have him on the show and talk to him about what he's doing over where he's at. Um, I just had uh, fire rescue wellness, Annette Zapp on the podcast, and she's mm-hmm. doing her thing with wellness and, and assisting organizations who are looking to serve the firefighter community, but not do it in a way where they might stick their uh, foot in their mouth, you know, because it's not like firefighters are judgmental at all. So it's not, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right? but yeah, I've been able to have some really good conversations with, uh, I had, uh, Captain Jim Moss on the, on the podcast, talking about his new book, firefighter Ooh. success and, and all that that's coming into light. Um, I just had Megan Louts on talking about diet, honing in your diet. And, uh, so it's been, it's been pretty cool and it, and it's really surprising how, how easy it is when you reach out to the people and just express to them how much value you find in their work. And then, you know, show your interest in, in wanting to share that value with, with your audience. And so honestly, I feel like that's true brotherhood right there, you know, seeing what other people have to offer and harnessing it and sharing it and, and honoring it, you know, back and forth. We have a lot in common. Just, I mean, obviously we're both extremely handsome, but <laughs> that's a given. I, I, th- I, th- obviously. I think we have the same <laughs> passion uh, uh, for the fire service. I came into mine late. I'm not going to lie. I've always liked the fire service, but I never got to the point where that's not true. I love the fire service, but I never thought that I could make a change in the fire service. You know, mm-hmm. it never occurred to me that I could, hey, write an article or write these articles or do a podcast or, you know, talk to Aaron Field, whatever. Um, right. And it, feel, it feels great. I'm at, I'm at the end of my career and I just wish I'd started this earlier. But to be fair, in the beginning of my career, they didn't have internet. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I told, I was talking to my kids about those days and I was blowing their mind. They were like, what? No internet. Yeah. How did you learn things? I was like, yeah. well, there's these things called books. <laughs> yeah, the the encyclopedia. Every household had them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Britannica, Encyclopedia Britannica. Speaking of books, now you wrote a book, yes? Can you tell I us a little bit about that? I even uh, I wrote the first draft in crayon, and uh, then the final <laughs> draft came out as an actual book. So that was cool. Uh, yeah, so it's been pretty exciting. Um, it's kind of the brainchild of 
my time in the fire service and just making observations. Um, I just typically, you know, in my history, when, whether I'm at school or work or, or wherever I, I am, my environment, I typically hold back and just observe a little bit. And then I engage, like, I'm not just a wrecking ball kind of person that comes in and, and just jumps right in and does whatever. I like to observe things, get a feel for the room and then make some decisions, make some plans and then execute. And so, uh, throughout my career, I kept a journal and it was just my little things that I've observed, you know, like things that I liked, some things that I disliked or leadership styles that I appreciated, maybe some things that really irked me with the culture and or administration or whatever it may be. And going through it, you know, my wife was looking through it one day and she's like, uh, this needs to be a book. Like you need to, you need to put this together and, and, and publish this. And so that lit the fire for that. And I had some support in, uh, some different, some other friends who were telling me that, you know, I have the capacity to, to make this happen. And, and just like you said, you know, you, you go into it and you don't really think that, you know, you have the capacity to make such huge changes and this and that. And boy, what a flawed thought that was, you know, I really was like, I'm really not doing myself any favors telling myself that I can't do something. And, uh, so I compiled all my notes and kind of formulated them out. And, uh, it's really based on the idea of the theme of my journal, which when I went back to read through my journal to kind of plan out this book, I realized that a lot of the things that were annoying me and a lot of the things that were frustrating me were rooted in a lack of accountability. And it was rooted in that lack of accountability through, you know, people not trusting each other. There's no integrity within the system. And when when you have the standard, when everybody appears to know the standard, but nobody's being held to it right there, you're operating outside of integrity. You're operating out of yeah. it. Right. I, I imagine it as this like circle, you know, integrity is this circle. And, uh, if, as long as you're operating and doing what you say you're going to do and holding to these standards, then you're in that circle. But the minute you stop holding these people accountable, then you're operating outside of integrity. And that just decimates trust. And so I really wanted to put something out there that would show people that there are processes out there. There are people out there who want environments of trust and integrity based on like honorable things. And, and I've been in situations where, you know, people are doing some mischievous things or some just flat out wrong things. And then they look at you and they're like, expect you not to say anything because a real brother wouldn't wouldn't say anything about this thing, about this dangerous or, you know, diminishing or unprofessional thing we're doing. When in reality, my view of brotherhood is a real brother wouldn't put someone in that position in the first place. You know, to me, that's what integrity is. That's professionalism. And so I kind of define my version of brotherhood in there and uh, talk about how we can set up systems of accountability that inherently result in trust and that natural integrity. So it's kind of like a tiered effect. You know, you set up the system of accountability that establishes a scene integrity and, and as a natural byproduct, trust is built. Where does leadership come into all that? Honestly, it comes into it, uh, at the base level, like 
Like what's the quote? You can lead, you can be a leader of many, you can be a leader of none, but if you or you won't lead any, if you cannot lead the one, right? I can't remember who said that, but ultimately it's, if you can't lead yourself, you know, there's no way you're going to lead anybody else. And so ultimately it starts with us. And, and the, the title of the book is called own it, which really speaks to that idea. You know, you have to own the situation. You take the lead. You know, if you see something wrong, you know, how many firemen are going to walk by a fire and just ignore it? You know, we're going to, we're going to do something about it. We're going to, we're going to put it out. (laughs) So this really speaks to that idea of don't walk by the problem, own the issue, you know, take the lead role and do what you can as the individual. And the more of us that do that, we will build that foundation of leadership. And as a, again, natural byproduct, the people that promote, uh, who are thinking of, you know, leading themselves, continual growth, setting the example, those people will naturally find themselves in, uh, administrative leadership positions like designated leadership, you know, because as we all know, there's a difference between true leadership and, you know, ranked leadership. You, just because you've got a rank on your sleeve or, or a badge on your chest doesn't actually mean you're a, a, a quote unquote leader. You know, you might, you might be on the pay scale, <laughs> but when it comes to, you know, people willing to listen and follow, that's a whole different story. Do you think the different generation stuff, generational stuff plays into this at all? Make, is easier or better? Do you think the newer recruits uh, latch onto that idea quicker and better, or do you think they don't? You know, what I've found is uh, the older generation asks the question, well, who do you think you are that you can do that? And the newer generation is asking the question, well, why can't I be the one to do it? And so it's really like one of those mirrored, it's like two sides of one coin, right? It's like, you have that negative side where people are like trying to stifle you and, and be like, well, who do you think you are to do this thing? You're, you're nobody. Like, again, you have less time on than me, or you don't know the service like I do. But then at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, you've sat in a a recliner for 20 years, not earning your bachelor's degree that the organization will pay you to earn. Like, and you have no excuse to not, to not get that thing, but yet they want to point fingers and, you know, armchair quarterback and, and it's interesting. It's good to see that like the new blood is asking the question, why can't we do it this way? Or why can't I be the one to build this program? Or they're, they're looking to add value. I've seen, they're asking the questions yes. of, of like, how can they add value? Which is awesome. I'm super inspired by it. And I think one of the problems is too, that we go back to ego for the older generations and they see these younger generation firefighters come in wanting to change things and improve things. And they're like, what, who are you to do that? And that's just ego, I think in the way. Um, But going back to what you said earlier, uh, I want to say that uh, seniority and experience are two different animals, two entirely different animals. And uh, I think people would like to say, Hey, I've been on this job for 20 years. I knew a person that retired and this person worked all the overtime he could. Right. So he probably, and I counted it up one time it was, it was like a 40, 45 year experience uh, with all his overtime. Mm-hmm. And I would probably rank him as a first five year firefighter with his knowledge. And I've always yeah. wondered, I'm like, man, 
I know the money's sweet on overtime, but how about you put in time and a half effort and learn your job time and a half more? But right. people don't want to do. And I, I, there was times I didn't either. I'd come in and and, and look forward to the sleeping and the free money yeah. and all that stuff uh, back in my piece of shit days. But yeah, it's true. We've all been there and we've all done that. And and I think that gives us our basis for measurement. Like. You know, we've all been that guy who's like sat in a recliner. I'm not saying I've never sat in a recliner in my life, you know, but I think right now thinking about it, I, I can't think of the last time I did. And, and, and like, I think of me sitting in a recliner today and I just get put off by it because I'm like, I would rather be productive. I would rather produce something beneficial. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot to be said for getting your rest. And I'm all about that, you know? I'm a big advocate for sleep and sleep study and science. And I talked all about that with Annette Zapp on, on my podcast, but, uh, there comes a time where it's like, are you gonna, are you gonna kind of like you pointed out, are you, are you after the, the quantity or are you after the quality of the career? And personally, I, I want exactly. my career to be quality. Well said that's, that's outstanding. Outstanding, sir. What else do you got going on? I mean, you seem like a mover and a shaker. You got your podcast. <laughs> you got a book. You've got multiple. Tell, I tell you about the programs you offer. Here's where I'm mad at you. So uh, when we get off the podcast, I'm going to curse your name. One of the things you do <laughs> is something that I've always had in the back of my brain to do, but I never pulled the trigger on it. And it's helping people get hired on with the fire department. I think it's such a great way to help the fire service by prepping people before they even get on. Um, tell right. me about that. That's really, really exciting stuff. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and honestly, like if you have that, if you have that fire inside you to help people do that, then I, I totally support it because it's like the way I do it might be different from the way you do it. And the variety of programs that would be out there would be nothing but beneficial to people who are looking for it. And like getting into the fire service, I didn't have anyone to help me. Like I had no one, I dipped my toe in that technical school. And that was really the introduction for me. I had to go through, you know, I tested from 18 years old all the way to 25 or 24. I didn't get hired till I was 24, but that whole time I was testing, interviewing, you know, trying to maintain physical uh, fitness, all of that stuff. And man, if I would have had a guide, boy, that would have streamlined that system so much faster. I would have totally invested in that. And so the, one of the programs, the online courses that I do is, uh, uh, the ignited recruit Academy. And so it's everyone who's trying to learn the system. You know, how does it, how does the application system work? What kind of things do I need to study for, for the written test? And then I host interview labs where we get on zoom and we talk about different questions how to answer them strategically without sounding like some kind of canned answer, right? Because we all know that we can see right through that crap. So I, I teach them a little bit about how to tell stories about how to use their personal um, experience in, in amplifying that story. And then we have like a built-in support group. I've got like four cohorts that have gone through and we've got a, a private Facebook group where everyone who's gone through has lifetime access. And so as people get hired, they can come back as contributors to the group and talk about their experience. And we oh, can, that's fantastic. Facebook lives or zooms, and they can talk about their experience. And then now they become the authority. Right. And so it's basically the idea of like, light the flame, stoke the fire, pass the torch. Right. 
And I know there's a lot of fire uh, innuendos here, but that's what you're going to get with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap up here, um, I got one more question for you. But before I get to that last question, tell me, tell us. So the Ignited Firefighter Podcast, I assume, is on all platforms. Yeah, easy to find, it's right? everywhere. Okay, yep. and uh, the the website. Yeah, the website is uh, www.ignitedff like firefighter.com. And uh, mm -hmm. you can find all the resources. I've got a reading list there. You got links to the podcast. I sell some merch and then uh, there's links to buying the new book. Anything you'd want to know is there. Perfect. And I, I, I went there today and I was blown away. It's a great website. I highly recommend everybody go check it out, share it too, because it seems to me, one of the things I like about your website, it's a one-stop shop. And I love yeah. those. Like there's websites that are just for ventilation or websites. They do just search and rescue stuff. You've got a little bit of everything for, for the core firefighter. So I highly recommend that. Now here's my last question as we wrap up. I like to know what's the best prank you've pulled in the firehouse or have had pulled on you. Oh man. So, uh, I can't really think, I mean, I, I remember one time where I left, I was a probie and I left some clothes in the dryer. And, uh, apparently one of my senior firefighters didn't like that too much. And so he took him and he soaked him in water and threw him in the freezer and, and they were in the freezer for a couple of shifts. I had no idea where they were at. And then I opened the freezer looking for food, you know, that we were cooking. And I was like, Oh, there's my shirts. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> there was an instance, you know, where, uh, where I kind of got my crew in on this prank we were pulling on this guy. He was, uh, he was coming to work. He was snapping at people and he, he just needed a little bit of humility. You know, he was snapping at everybody and, and being rude. And, and, uh, so I, I found out what kind of toothbrush he used and we all went uh -oh. to the store. Yep. Yep. We all went to the store. We bought the same exact kind of toothbrush and we spent the shift just like taking pictures with the toothbrush, like cleaning the bottom of our boots or, you know, uh, <laughs> cleaning all kinds of different things. You know, the pulse oximeter, we were cleaning that, you know, with this toothbrush, we took a bunch of pictures, a bunch of pictures. And then we just waited a couple of sets, you know, so he was using that to his toothbrush, but um, it wasn't, you know, we didn't take his toothbrush. We just took a new one and used that one. Cause we didn't want to be that gross, but we left the pictures right. on his bed and we were like, Hey man, uh, you know, maybe if you're, you know, you're spitting so much dirty stuff out of your mouth at us, maybe you should, uh, take a look at yourself and, and keep your mouth clean with a new toothbrush. But <laughs> he immediately went pale and was like, Oh my God, what, what do I do? Like he had no idea what to do, but. <laughs> we let him in on it at the end and he was like, Oh, thank God. But it was, it was a nice little, you know, <laughs> come to Jesus moment. <laughs> I love it. And I'm sure I, I just can't help it, but knowing firefighters, I can't help but wonder if you're just giving me the PG version. Maybe you, maybe you truly oh, have yeah. a PG joke. No, we, Seems like yeah. to me, if it it's was the me, PG version. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, brother. I appreciate you being on my show. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I want everybody listening to go to your website. I want them to buy your book and listen to your podcast. You've got something to say, and I love it. I love your message, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. All right, you stay safe. We'll do. You too.
Today's podcast was sponsored by Fire Facilities, designers and manufacturers of realistic, built-to-last training structures and mobile units for 30 years. Make training count. Visit firefacilities.com for more information.